0: All right. Good morning, Reach Church. Morning. So, if kids want to head to Reach Kids, they can do that. Aw, <laughs> I know. Yeah, don't want that to end. I yeah, can't, can't make much of it. All right. Uh, so, this week we continue in our uh, the letter of Galatians, our series titled "Astonished." Remember, we we have that name because first and foremost, Paul was astonished that anyone would so easily throw off the gospel of freedom and of grace and of peace and take up the mantle of legalism and the law and performance once again. The hope, then, is that instead of being astonished at our failure to believe the gospel, we would once again be astonished by the real and true gospel, that we are saved by nothing but Jesus, that it's faith alone, that it's grace alone, that it's nothing that we do that earns our righteousness That we don't stand on trial before God any second of our lives because Christ has already taken the punishment. He has already been judged on our behalf. That we are perfect before our Lord because we are found in Christ, not in ourselves. We want to be astonished with that fact. Now, we're in uh, this beginning part of the letter, which is kind of the autobiographical part, where Paul talks about uh, his apostleship, He's trying to prove to these Galatian believers that he has the authority to speak about the gospel. That this gospel isn't something that he invented, that it's not just something that he wants to be true, it's something that Jesus Christ himself has given given him by revelation. And this week we're going to see that on top of that revelation, that that same gospel has been affirmed by the church historical, the early church, and it has been the gospel throughout the ages that there is unity in this gospel. Now, that's comforting to us as we think about the gospel. We think, okay, like, I really want this to be true. I want the gospel to to wash me perfectly clean. I want to be free from the law. And it helps that the early church together reinforce that. That wasn't just the imaginations of Paul. But this passage then, then calls us to something else. It calls us to fight for that unity that if we want other people to see the gospel, if we want to proclaim the gospel to the world, we need to make sure that that we're not unified with those who are legalists, who love the law, who are trying to enslave people to the law. And instead, we need to offer an abundance of of grace and and fellowship with those who really do believe in nothing but Jesus. That nothing but Jesus has to be our standard for the unity in the church It can't be all of these secondary issues. It can't be the law. It can't be our convictions. It needs to be nothing but Jesus. So we want to build that unity, and we're going to see that in Galatians 2, chapter 1. Or sorry, Galatians 2, verses 1 through 10. So uh, you can turn there with me. Oh, look, there we go. Thank you, Jess. All right. Let's read this together. Verses 1 through 10. Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet, because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, Let's pray. Father, admittedly, this this passage seems kind of dense and overly historical. And Father, we ask that we would be sensitive to your spirit and we would find truths that are relevant and applicable to our lives. Father, we thank you that this gospel has always been the gospel. That Paul did not invent it that we stand in total freedom. And Father, we ask that we would not allow anyone to enslave us. And Father, that we would not enslave anyone. So Father, would you give us great freedom in the gospel of Jesus? Would you give us joy in that freedom? And would you give us unity in the freedom that we have in Christ? We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, so last week. Last week we saw that the freedom that Paul had from... The law, from the religious system, from trying to be a Pharisee, from trying to to earn righteousness. And now we have this kind of, okay, then Paul goes back. He's going back to the religious kind of establishment, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. Now, why is he going back to Jerusalem? All right, 2-1, once again. After 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas, having taken taken Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. All right. At kind of first reading, you could say, oh, maybe Paul, maybe Paul is doubting the, the gospel that he's proclaiming. Maybe he needs to kind of get a refresher course on the gospel. All right, I don't think that's what's happening. All right, what's happening is he realizes that there are There are false teachers in the church. And that he has gone and he has proclaimed the gospel to, to various cities. People have become believers. They've found freedom in Jesus. And now he's checking to see if other teachers, other leaders in the church are going to compromise that gospel or not. The reality is that If the church is divided, if one is preaching the true gospel and one is preaching the the law of the Jews, then the efforts of Paul are going to be in vain. That people who are saved by Jesus are going to go back to works and be be destroyed by works, be dominated by works, be enslaved by them. And so he goes back because of a revelation, not to prove that he's, he's an apostle, not to check his gospel, but to make sure that the church together is united in this gospel front. And so he has this kind of test that he, he establishes. He brings Titus with him. He brings Titus, who is a, an uncircumcised Gentile. Verse 3, and this is their, their decision for them. Verse 3, but even Titus, who is with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. All right, so we've talked about how the history is that in the church, we have these, these false teachers who are saying that, you know what, you, you still have to obey certain aspects of the law. And only then, once you have, you have obeyed A or B or C, then you are truly righteous. Then you can truly say that you are following God. Then you can truly say that, that you are right before him. And this was the main test of the time, was if you had to be circumcised or not. Now, Titus then becomes a sort of symbol that, actually, no. The law of the Jews does not have to be obeyed, that Titus went before the leaders of the church, the leaders in Jerusalem, the Jewish leaders, and he did not have to be circumcised. Now, why do we care? All right, Titus is is a living, walking example that you do not have to fulfill the law. You do not have to fulfill the law. Now, this is one aspect of the law. This is is the ceremonial aspect. But as we saw earlier, this applies to the whole law itself, that nothing you do, no work do you have to do to, to earn your salvation. You do not earn your standing with God. Titus didn't have to do it. You don't have to do it either. That your obedience is before you and the Lord, and you do it to honor him, you do it out of love for him, You do not do it to earn any salvation, to please God ultimately. You have pleased God in Jesus Christ. That is what what this proclamation is. And thankfully, this is the proclamation of the church. Now, why does this matter? In the context of the letter, this is is living proof that, once again, Paul did not invent this gospel. He didn't come up with this. He didn't think it would be nice if he didn't have to do any works anymore. No, this is the reality of the, of the gospel of Jesus. It takes nothing but Jesus' faith and grace, nothing else. Now, I know that, that some of you, you, you read the Bible and you see the clarity of Paul. And you, you say, oh, like, it, it looks like I don't have to do anything, but then you go to other books, you go to other places, and you think, well, no, maybe, maybe I do need to do works, maybe... Maybe Paul's kind of skewing things on one side, but I need to balance it out with other scriptures. Like, Once again, no. There's one gospel. It's all the same gospel. Paul didn't invent this. The whole church believed this. And if you're reading the the Bible and you're saying, oh, it looks like I have to earn my salvation, you're reading it wrong. That has never been the case. Paul and, and James... We're all scared to read James because it tells us what to do. All right, that's that's for our good, not to save us. Are we already we clear on that? Because I know some of some of you are like you're like, oh, I know that Paul says that, but I I don't know if other people. No, this is consensus. You don't have to work for your salvation. Now, that is, the, that is the unified position of the church, and I hope that it's, a, it's an encouragement to you that that has been the case from the very beginning, that it an apologetic to you, that you don't need to keep going, go searching to see if, if this is the consensus. No, it is. But beyond that, beyond that, this unity is, is powerful, and if we are unified in this single message and we, can, we all say together, then no, it's not, it's not your works is what Jesus has done. That then has a powerful witness. And so we're going to look at these kind of three aspects of, of how they, they protected that unity, how they reinforced it, how they made sure that the gospel that went out was the true gospel. And those people weren't deceived, people weren't lost, people weren't tricked. Now first, first thing we do, we do not yield to the slavery of spies. We do not yield to the slavery of spies for even a moment. Look at verse 4. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission for even a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. All right. You can feel like the sliminess of the, of the language here. That there are those who, who call themselves believers, who proclaim that, that they're teaching the gospel, but what are they really? They're spies. And they're jealous or they're, of the freedom that the Christian has freedom from, from fear of the law, freedom from cultural standards, freedom from performance. And instead of embracing that freedom themselves, instead they feel like they need to steal that freedom from others. And we say, okay, how do we, how do we stay unified in the church? That doesn't mean that anyone who calls themselves a believer, who says, who says that they are a follower of Jesus, we, we invite them in. No, we, we don't invite those in who, who are still enslaving people to the law. That those who were enslaving people to the law in Paul's day, they were rejected. They were cast out. They weren't, they weren't kind of like gently rebuked. They were, they were pushed out and then say like, you need, to, you need to get back to the real gospel, the one true gospel. We don't sacrifice the gospel of Jesus for the sake of unity. Now, uh, what does that look like? What does that look like for you guys in your lives? Uh, where are your, oppor- like your, your temptations to, to give in to slavery once again? Who are the enslavers? Uh, some things that I that I've, I've was trying to think of. So first, first, you're gonna know this kind of false teacher, the people who are trying to enslave you by guilt and by shame. By guilt and shame. All right, those are not tools of the gospel. Those are not tools of the gospel. Those are not tools for sanctification. That all the guilt and the shame has been put on Jesus Christ. And if other people, if if a teacher, proclaiming the gospel is trying to get you to do something by shaming you and guilting you into doing it, then that's that's not the true gospel. Now. It's really easy to make someone feel really guilty. And I could, I could crush the whole congregation by talking about countless things and making you feel horrible and then tell you, you know what, go try harder. Go love God more. He deserves it more. That's, that's not the real gospel. All right, you revealed your sin not to feel guilty and shamed about it, but to have joy that is forgiven in Jesus. And then the power is to go out and, for the love of Jesus and for the joy that you have found in your salvation, that you would obey him willingly because you want to. Not so you can try to remove this burden of guilt and shame that is put on you each week. My hope is that that's not what this this experience is each Sunday. There's no guilt and shame, there's just joy in the salvation of Jesus. There are other ways that this is reflected. All right, there are people who are going to put their convictions on you. They have religious convictions, they have cultural convictions, they have social convictions. The reality is you don't have to submit to those things. And as they share them with you, you can, you can hear them and you can, you can just simply cast them off. All right, so maybe someone says, like, you know what, I, I just feel really called to, to never watch television again. And, you know, I, I, think it's, I think it's detrimental to the soul. I think it's just, and I think, I think you should do it too. You should join me. All right, that kind of stuff. It sounds really religious. It sounds really good. But what is it? It's just, it's just another law that God hasn't put on your heart. It's put on their heart. And you don't have to, you don't have to carry those things. You can say, you know what, I, I don't want to carry that. I don't, that's not a burden that I'm going to bear. That's not something that I'm committed to. You can do it. I'm not going to. All right. We throw off those kind of shackles, and people try to try to nail us down like that. We, you don't have to. You not for the sake of unity say, oh, you, I'll, I'll try, or that sounds like a great idea. No, you don't have to. Now I ask you. Okay, what what really are the rules that you feel like you have to live under? right now? What are the rules you have to live under? All right, that's it. It just, it just reveals that you're not, you're being burdened. we are casting off those burdens in Christ. Find the things that you feel like you're not good enough at, you're not, you're not working hard enough, and cast those things off. And those who kind of represent those things, we need to make it clear that we are not unified in those. That we're not finding salvation in them. All right. So, uh, that takes us to the, to the second one. The second one, which is, uh, which is similar, but... All right, we cast off the, the people who are trying to enslave us, and secondly, we don't add to the gospel. You were called not to enslave people to the gospel. To the, the, the gospel of, of anything but Jesus. Verse 6. From those who seemed influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those I say who seemed influential added nothing to me. They added nothing to me. So there's leaders in the church, Paul goes to them, and they added no laws to Paul's gospel. They added no more works, they had no more messages, they had no more words of knowledge, no more practical insights, they added nothing to Paul because it really is nothing but Jesus nothing but Jesus matters we are saved by nothing but Jesus our faith is sustained by nothing but Jesus our sanctification is sustained by nothing but Jesus now that's where we can we can kind of point our fingers at the the spies and those who secretly bring things in and, and those who are trying to steal our freedom and then we look at our own hearts and we realize you know what, that's also me and that's also you. We are, all, we are all the enslavers. We all have things that we try to add to the gospel and add to other people convictions that we have, rules that we are bound by, cultural standards that we live according to. We all live under those things. And we have a tendency to put them on other people. Now, what does that look like? What does that look like? All right, first, a big one for for our type of people. All right, we tend to add to the gospel theology. Theology. See, theology isn't bad. Some of you are, are Reformed Presbyterians, which I think is good. But there's a tendency to try to add that to the gospel of Jesus that it's not just about who saves you it's about no you need to understand exactly how you're saved and you need to believe in my system of how that works all right i think it's really edifying to know about tulip and predestination and all of these things i think it's incredibly humbling but it is not the gospel and it's not the standard and like oh oh if you come here you better you better fall in line no you will fall in line to one thing, and that's Jesus. That's right. Now, I know we love our theology, but we can't love it more than Jesus, the unity that is in him. We can't add Jesus plus we need to think this way about Jesus. All right, maybe it's something like, all the things divide up, things like baptism. All right, I've got a lot of questions about baptism because you're like, well, Circumcision is similar to baptism. Are we against that? How is that working? Yeah, we can even even sacraments, even things that we are commanded to do. We can turn them into false rules, and you know, you have to be baptized a certain way. You're not saved until that happens. It's just all not true. We're gonna hold even that with with a loose hand. Now, do we have convictions about it? Yes, but no one here is called to be baptized a certain way. It doesn't look the same. It's fine. All right, other things, other things that we tend to put on people. Uh, All right, the law, the law of personality and emotions. Now, this is where, all right, most of you aren't going around telling each other you have to wear jean skirts and you're not allowed to wear makeup, all right, because it's obviously like, that's just not, not something that's so superficial, but. Instead, we say things like, well, oh, like they just have no joy. Or, well, look at their peace. A real believer would, would have be so much more faithful and full of faith. And, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're not a real believer. Maybe it's not reflected in their lives. They're not joyful enough. They're not reverent enough. They're not kind enough. Because a real believer is those things. All right, the reality is we, we, can't, we can't use even that as a law to, to test people. And it's incredibly painful when we do, when someone who is depressed and we say, you know, they don't have the joy of the Lord, they must not be a real believer. It's, that's a false law. We've added something to Jesus. Now, all the other stuff, there's, there's all the rules, there's the convictions that you have that are in addition to the Bible, all that stuff, even the real laws, like the things that are in here, then you say you're supposed to do them, we have to even be careful of those things if we don't add that to the gospel. That if they're sinning in, in a certain way that they must not be a believer, that's just false. We've added it to Jesus. And that's where I remind you that When we came to Jesus, he said, it is finished. We're not being tested anymore. We're not on trial. It is is over and it is finished. And now when we look out at other believers, we need to treat them the same way. That if they have put their faith in Jesus, it's finished, it's done. All right, there's only one way to test if someone is a believer or not. It's if they have said that they have faith in Christ. That's, that's the test that we apply. And if that's the test, then if they have professed faith in Christ, then we, we accept that and we say, you know what, like, I'm not going to add anything else to you. I'm not going to make you prove it. I'm not going to make you live a certain way. We're not going to make you jump through hoops. Like, that's it. We have membership interviews coming up. And the membership interviews aren't like, how good of a Christian you are, how much do you read your Bible? The question is like, do you, if you put your faith in Jesus, that's the only thing that counts. That's what membership in the church looks like. We're not going to add to that. Now, what, why do I say that? I say that because I say this, and I, I know you say this. You say things like, well, yeah, I, I don't know if that person's really a believer. Or, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure where they stand. Like, if they profess faith in Christ, that's not really your, that's not your prerogative to judge. If it's nothing but faith in Jesus, then it really is nothing but faith in Jesus. I know this happens with kids too, like they, they profess, but you're like the parents are like, no, they can't be baptized. They can't. They shouldn't do that stuff. I, I haven't really seen it yet. It's just faith. Be the people who give people Jesus and and the freedom that's found in Jesus. Please do not be the enslavers who steal people's freedom, who are jealous of the freedom that people have in Christ. If you have a conviction, it's your conviction. It doesn't need to be everyone else's. We fight for the the unity that's in the gospel by letting people be free in it. Amen? All right. Finally, finally, that means that if people do profess faith in Christ, if they are proclaiming the gospel, then we extend our, our right hand of fellowship. The right hand of fellowship, verse 7. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel, the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel, the circumcised, when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles. And they did the circumcised, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. All right. if people have proclaimed faith in Christ, if we run into other believers, all right, we are not in competition. We are not on different teams and we are fighting for the souls of people to come to our church. We are fighting for people to know Jesus and to believe in him. All right, Other denominations out there, we're okay with them. We like them. We are friends with them. They are fellow believers in Jesus. And if if people don't want to be united to us, if they don't want to have fellowship with us, we don't want it to be because of us, it can be because of them. We can't control them. But it shouldn't be because we're snobby Presbyterians or because we, we don't like people who aren't into predestination or because we're, we're better than, than high church or lower church. All right, we've got to cast all that stuff off. And you'll, you'll encounter other believers who want to make it all about other things. And they'll want to talk about baptism. They'll want to talk about if you're Methodist or if you're Baptist. And the reality is, like, take it back to Jesus. We were at the fair, and we had to do that constantly. People were like, well, well what do you believe about? We, we believe in nothing but Jesus. That's the thing that's our guiding principle, that you're saved by nothing but Jesus. We're going to let everything else lie. Can we do that? All right, you have to fight people about that. You have to fight for unity, gospel. So they'll want to divide you up. They'll want to put you on different teams. All right, we are one in Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Questions. Questions. So I didn't have to memorize the <laughs> <laughs> you were blessed in that you got to. Yes. <laughs> yes yes that's the that's the good one so, query. query yes, only you have queries, Ryan. <laughs> everyone else has questions <laughs> salvation like you have to meet a goal. Right. And at the same time, understanding that living under the God's laws or attempting to live in a God-honoring way also brings the, the blessings of an abundant, joyful life. Right. And how does that kind of... Right. Does that apply here? Yeah, we keep, we keep coming back to this, which is good, which is good. So how then do we talk about the law? How do we... We don't just do we just leave people to kind of wander around figuring out their own law, their own way of life? Like, no. But like, like we said to Paul, like, you didn't have to learn the catechism. You didn't earn any righteousness in that. I hope it blessed you. And I hope it gave you categories that, that helped you enjoy Jesus. And that's the kind of way we talk about the law. Like, okay, this is how you want to love Jesus if you want to. If you want to love Jesus, here's how you do it. Here's how enjoying the grace of Jesus is expressed in your marriage and how it plays out and how those things are, you know. It, it's bringing the joy that is found in Christ to, to other things so it, it spills out so you can profess Jesus better. Now, do you have to do that? In some sense, no. Do you want to do that? I hope so. It's kind, of like salad <laughs> it's kind of like eating the salad at dinner. How so? How so? It's good for you, I and mean, you want to eat the salad at dinner, and it's not really, how did you say? You're not convicting others. <laughs> and, I mean, my, ho- my hope is, yeah. Right, and that's where that's where it looks it looks different. If it's good, it's a. <laughs> <laughs> the law has spoken. All right, Denise, the, the law of Denise. Uh, that's where it it sounds very different. And if we're saying like, hey, I do this out of I do this out of joy, and like you're welcome to do it too. This is a way that I that I worship Jesus. It's very different if you think like, well. I don't feel like I'm allowed to do this, and you're not allowed to do it either. That's, that's the difference. Uh, an example of this was, uh, it's the difference between, uh, there's a preacher, and he had, to, he had to preach at a really high Orthodox church, and they said, hey, like, will you wear robes to preach in? And he, said, he asked the question, do I have to? And if they said you have to, he wasn't going to do it. If they said you're you're you can, you don't have to, then he was going to do it. That's the difference. It's like, are we really giving people freedom and that they can live in that freedom, but as soon as it becomes a law, we, we cast it off. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Other thoughts? Yes, sir. Mike. Mike. Thank you for reminding me. I, I did forget. <laughs> Peter, Mike, nice to meet you again. <laughs> yeah. Galatians chapter 2, as I'm sure you know, links right back to Acts chapter 15, which has the narration of when Paul went off. All right, there's disagreement about that. I, I, I spent a lot of time researching that. Some people think it's Acts 11. Some people think it's Acts 15. I, I tend to think it's Acts 11 just because I would think, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's not clear. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. No, that's a great question. Yeah, I was hoping someone'd ask that question actually. Um, yeah, so they have a council about this. And they ask, okay, what do, what do the Gentiles really need to do? What are the, what are the real laws? And they say, uh, food sacrifice to idols, don't do that. Food that's strangled, uh, sexual immorality, and one more. What's the other one? Yeah, yeah, eating the blood. Um, the overall interpretation of that is, that's where, it, once again, we... we limit our freedom for the sake of the unity of the body and to express love for Christ. And I think that that's the case here. It's that the Gentiles, they're called to be, united, like, to be one with Jewish believers. And these are four things that like, are big on the Jewish believer's mind. These are things that are preventing them from eating together, from being together, from sitting in the same room together. And so these are kind of appropriate limits of their of their freedom so that they can be one with the gentiles well, one with the jews i would say that that's what is going on there that it's not a this is this is how you ultimately are saved is grace and this it's a how do you express unity in the body for the sake of jewish believers you're going to do these four things now you might disagree with that but uh, I think that's a good way to interpret it. Go. What does antinomianism mean? (laughs) What does antinomianism mean? Yes. Uh, (laughs) So anti, anti would be against. Uh, Namas means the law. So this is a total rejection of the law. Now relating to what, what the Bodhis were talking about over here, We don't don't then say that the law is evil. We don't reject the law. We don't say that there's no place for the law. That would be antinomianism, that the law is totally, totally gone. No, that the law has totally changed. So it's the law of love. We don't try to earn our salvation by the law, but we try to express the love that we have for Christ and to glorify Christ through the law. Now that's where... The the antinomian would say, Well, great, I'll just I'll just sin more so that I can get more grace and I can, can glorify Jesus more and how much he saved me. Like, no. If you really want to love Jesus, then be free from the law. It was killing you, it dishonors Christ. If you want to love him and show forth the grace of Jesus, then actually obey this law out of joy. Did yeah. answer your question? Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, Denise. Is that where the interpretation of the joy and how we live it out can cause problems? Is that where the interpretation of it and the joy can cause problems? Like how I live out the joy of Christ may be totally different than somebody else's self. So we're not supposed to judge that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that's where certain people have greater temptation, so they, don't, they, they limit their freedom for certain reasons. Uh, there actually is this personal interplay with, with Jesus, and that's where the laws become increasingly broad, like love your neighbor, not no watching R-rated movies. You know, that's, that's, that's a human law, that's a tradition, that's enslaving and doesn't connect back to just like, how are you going to love Jesus? Maybe it is by not watching R rated movies, but maybe it's not. And you don't get to decide that for other people. All right. Yeah. Can I kind of leave you with a question I had? You had mentioned that um, the spies were the, the um, kind of cast down. Yep. So, how, I mean, you guys covered it. So, tough love. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, right, right. Uh, yeah, so there, there's, there's tough love in that sense for different reasons. Uh, I think this one is not as much concern for the people as these are false teachers, they're going to compromise the gospel, they're going to they're destroy the church. Uh, there's other cases of, of tough love where there's un- people who are in unrepentant sin, they need to see the error of their ways, and so they're as Corinthians says, they're give, given over to their, to their sin. They're, they're given over to Satan himself that they might repent. That's a category too. Um, I wouldn't want to combine those two categories too much just because I think this is a little bit different. Um, but yeah, there are those categories for sure. Yeah. All right, Candy? Yeah, so, amen. Um, when you talk about, I understand what you're saying. Right. Our, the, our theology doesn't add to our salvation right. at all. I mean, right. We don't need that for our salvation. But for me, the theology that we preach in this church right. gives me such freedom that I didn't have. Right. To. Yeah, is is edifying. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where, yeah, we want to <laughs> proclaim these good things. But not use them as a test of if you're a real Christian or not. Yeah, absolutely, Kenny. All right, Mike, last one. thinking that I would be hearing Calvinism. Yeah. So uh, I will. You won't hear Calvinism first. And that's right, I don't think Calvinism is first. I think Jesus is first. Now, might you hear Calvinism? Yes. I hope you hear a different brand of Calvinism than just sit back and hope that and, and trust that you're definitely saved whether you've repented or not. Yes. We will not. Yeah. You're, I, you will not hear that, ideally. Um, and you also hear human responsibility and free will because I think that's biblical. So, yeah. Floyd. I know. <laughs> 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 Something has always brought me humble relief is that, as far as Christ is confessed, the only one I know who is the chief salvation is the people on the cross. And he had no well developed eschatology, he had no well developed theology, but he had a belief in Christ for salvation. Right. And oh, that's what it is. Right. Right. And that, and that knowledge hasn't prevented you, Floyd, from pursuing those things and enjoying them, yeah. but you do know the difference. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you've accepted us, not based upon what we have done, not based upon what we have thought or what we have felt. You have embraced us because you called us and We have put our faith in Jesus and nothing but Jesus. Father, I ask that we would not be enslavers. We would cast off the the chains that would try to bind us. And Father, would we have great freedom in Jesus that we do the law for the joy of doing so and for, for the love that we have for Jesus. Father, would you give us that love for Jesus? Would you help us to see the gospel in all of its glory and beauty? And Father, would you give us true unity in that gospel? It would show us the things that come first and that we'd be unified in in the gospel of grace and peace. And Jesus Christ, we pray in his name.